Hello, listeners. This is Carolyn coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. And this is not a regular episode of Eval Cafe. I'm recording this on the afternoon of March 22nd, about uh, 5 o'clock Pacific time. And we are in just entering the second week, basically, um, of um, the what is a global pandemic um, of the COVID-19 coronavirus, um, which has begun months ago, but is now just now hitting Canada where I live. And this episode is um, our attempt to think about what a platform like this, um, a evaluation podcast has to offer our community in this moment, in this case, our community of, of evaluation practitioners. And um, really inspired by the concept of a check-in. So if you're familiar with circle practice and beginning a gathering by becoming present with each other, um, having a, a guiding question um, and a talking piece um, that people are able to just speak in from where they are, who they are, what they're holding, what their truth is, and we listen to each other and we are present with each other and we are human together, which is a big part of what this podcast is about. Um, so last week we put out an invitation for folks to come jump into a digital recording uh, room with us and uh, answer our check-in. We asked people um, to tell us a little bit about who they are, where they are, where they're from, what kind of work they do, uh, to tell us how the situation is affecting them and what they want people to know, and to share something that's giving them hope or peace or meaning in this time. And we had uh, 16 people who answered that call. Um, Plus, Brian and I have each recorded our own check-ins. And and that's what this episode is. It's just all of us sharing in um, what our answers to those questions are in this moment in time. And so I invite you to um, join our circle and be present with us and listen to all of our check-ins. And after the last recorded check-in, there's going to be three minutes of silence in the recording. And I invite you to use that time to share your own check-in, whether you speak it aloud um, or, you know, maybe speak it inside your own head or write or just take three minutes of reflection um, or just skip three minutes ahead in the recording to the end of the episode where there will be a bit of a goodbye. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, um, having all of us be part of this. Um, this is really just an attempt for us to stay connected in a time when connection is so important. And so with that, we begin. All right. Well, hi, everybody. Um, My name is Ann Price, and I am a community psychologist and an evaluator, and I'm based in the metro Atlanta area by way of Florida. Uh, That being pretty much no one from Atlanta is actually from Atlanta. 
So I own Community Evaluation Solutions. We develop community-based programs and do program evaluation work. Um, I work with a lot of coalitions and collaboratives. We work with nonprofits and foundations and state and federally funded programs uh, in a variety of areas like substance abuse prevention, mental health, education, foster care, public health. So a lot of different areas. Uh, working on community and systems level change is what I am most passionate about. And I spend a lot of time in rural areas with community collaboratives. I'm currently the co-chair of AEA's nonprofit and foundations topical interest group, otherwise known as a TIG. Um, so like everybody else, I think I felt the wave coming a couple of weeks ago, um, and I certainly have some stress over the pandemic. Two weeks ago, I was doing a lot of traveling in rural Georgia, I flew out to Oregon for a family funeral and um, had to fly back to Georgia to do some more plan reviews out in communities. Uh, and then that's when the wave really, really, really started, started to hit. So I am super happy to have been home for the last week and just have time to compress. Um, those uh, plan reviews, March is a really busy time for me. So the plan reviews last week that I had Monday through Wednesday were all done via Zoom. And that was kind of challenging for a lot of our community folks who really aren't used to technology. And, and personally, I really missed um, seeing people you know, in person. It was definitely different and pretty exhausting to do eight hours of plan reviews with um, community folks. So that's kind of where I was last week. Um, so now I'm just kind of trying not to look too far ahead, trying to live in the moment. I'm supposed to present at the AEA Summer Institute with a colleague. Um, we're just kind of waiting to see if that's gonna happen. I uh, was looking forward to attending CES for the first time and presenting there. So just not sure how that's all gonna work out. So in the meantime, I'm just trying to practice gratitude and. Just being thankful for my healthy family uh, and I find peace by praying for those who are more stressed out than I am, those who have lost or will lose their jobs, um, medical uh, folks like my sister who's a nurse really thinking about her and I know any problems that I have are really first world problems so I try to uh, remind myself of that and I'm reaching out to my clients to support them. And I have a very small staff and I'm definitely concerned about their comfort and their safety. So I'm really hoping we can all find a way to stay connected in new and creative ways. And hopefully this situation will make us really just kind of more aware of how connected we really are. And who knows, maybe really lead to some lasting and real systemic change. Anyway, that's what I'm hoping and praying for, so. Thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Cameron Norman. I'm uh, coming to you right now from Toronto, Ontario. I'm in the Leslieville area. It's uh, beautiful outside. And uh, I originally come from Western Canada. I'm a fourth generation Western Canadian prairie boy. And uh, I do a lot of interesting work that involves helping people understand what they do and helping them show the value of the contributions they make into the world. Um, that brings together evaluation, it brings together program design, and uh, it brings together strategy. And uh, I'm an evaluator by profession. I'm also an educator and a writer. So I bring all those together 
to hopefully help people learn a little bit more about what they do and what kind of impact they're having in the world. And uh, certainly right now, the world is an interesting situation. Um, I, uh, I'm surprisingly calm during this. I, I think there's a great opportunity for learning in all of what we're facing. And uh, um, there's only so much we can control. So for me, that it's a good lesson to focus on those things that we can control. One of those things are um, relating to each other, um, thinking a little bit about our values, um, thinking about what contribution we've made and what contribution we want to make. So for me, it's, it's just about um, focusing on those things. Um, there's a lot of reasons that people are giving for uh, being concerned. And I don't think we need to ignore those, but I think we can't let that affect our lives too much. It's, um, it's a chance. Uh, it's, for me, it's about seeing the gift in what we have right now. And that is one of the, the, the assets that we have is a chance to really think about what kind of world we want and how do we create that world going forward. And one of the things that's really giving me hope right now is that I see so much of that. I've so seen people come together in ways that uh, I haven't seen before. I think the world was ready for something like this. Um, not, I don't mean in a pandemic sense, but what I mean is that that coming together, I think there was a, there was a chance for us to do something different. And what's just been giving me a lot of hope and uh, meaning is, is watching people come together in small, large groups, generously sharing what they know, um, sharing strategies, sharing recipes, sharing music, sharing art, sharing stories. And uh, it's, uh, it's really inspired me. And uh, I hope these kinds of stories connect and inspire you. My name is Jade Maloney. I'm a partner at ARTD Consultants and I'm in my hometown of Sydney today. Um, it's a warm day and I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Um, seems like a very strange world that we're living in today. For me, evaluation is all about the process. So thinking about how we build relationships when we're only meeting online is something that I and my team are just beginning to grapple with. We've worked online before, but never just only online. And usually when we choose online, it's for a particular purpose. So I'm sort of wondering how we're going to do things like program logic workshops, which we have done in a very interactive way um, in an online only space and get people to sort of overcome their sort of sense of anxiety they can have about evaluation and evaluators and who we are and what we're about when they can't meet our teams face to face. Evaluation sort of is anxiety inducing enough as well that um, I wonder in a world where people are feeling very uncertain, um, how open they might be to a bunch of evaluators coming in and asking them more questions, um, which in some crea cases creates more uncertainty. I kind of also wonder about, you know, will we lose focus on some of the bigger issues um, that we've been thinking about as an evaluation community in terms of sustainability and social justice when we're a lot um, you know of attention is focused now on COVID-19 and, and rightly so but how do we keep attention on all of the things that were very important um, and still are very important in this context but I suppose what gives me hope is um, 
I think as an evaluation community, we've all been um, sharing ideas about how we can learn and share and connect online together. We've also been quite open over the last few years more and more so about having conversations about how we learn from failure and how, you know, it's not really failure because it's just a learning opportunity. So I think there's a lot for us to um, learn from and take forward. Hello, my name is Zach Tilton. I am um, calling in from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm originally from Florida, my 13th generation Floridian. And the kind of work I do is pretty much evaluative across the board. I am an evaluation practitioner. I am a student of evaluation and I'm also a researcher on evaluation. I'm currently a doctoral research associate at Western Michigan University in the interdisciplinary PhD in evaluation program. And this is my last semester of coursework. And I, to kind of earn my keep there at the program, I do research on evaluation. Um, I also have, um, I consult and work with organizations for their various evaluative needs and help them with their evaluation portfolios and and, and do um, evaluations as well. Uh, this current situation is affecting me. Uh, it's affecting me, our family. Um, you know, we got two little ones. I got a 10-month-old and a two-year-old about to be three-year-old. And so the child care considerations and the disruptions and um, quarantine isolation protocols and having uh, little rambunctious ones in the house. And uh, my wife works full-time as well from home. And so it's just been kind of a bit of an adjustment, but we're making do. And in fact, about an hour ago, I had someone ask the same question and I said, well, you know, at least, uh, I have, we have our jobs. We recognize that not everyone has, um, that there are varying degrees of how this is affecting people. And so we're, um, relatively coming out of this unscathed though. I just 45 minutes ago found out that my um, because I'm not a teaching assistant, I'm a research assistant, that my stipend will be stopped at the end of the month. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty there, at least with that um, form of income. You know, what I think I'd like people to know is um, <laughs> this, this moment is providing us, society as a whole, to kind of stop and think about, you know, been thinking about how evaluation plays into this and the role um, of evaluation. And uh, it's giving us pause to have somewhat of a values inquiry and to reassess priorities across the board, whether it's specific policies, uh, whether it's the relative merit of certain jobs and realizing that the garbage person and the grocery store worker is very much important and maybe almost more important than, you know, some of the other uh, positions that you might think are more prestigious uh, for the knowledge economy. Um, but I think I want to let people know that um, I'm here as, an, as a student, uh, as a graduate associate, there's a bit of contingency and precarity to, to my current situation, um, but I'm... I'm standing in solidarity with the others who are maybe 
uh, graduate students and researchers and, eva- and evaluators who have contracts and contract-based independent consultants that, um, uh, you know, I, I stand in solidarity with the uncertainty and, and, and look forward to having, um, having a bit of a clarity to the ambiguity. I think each passing moment is just one more um, element of uncertainty. So I don't know if there's much more than that. I think, so there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty and unresolved aspects to that. And I think that's okay. However, something that's given me hope and peace and meaning in this time is just my family. And, um, you know, there's aspects, uh, about the quarantine and, and being kind of holed up with the little ones and how it affecting productivity, but being able to just pause and think about what's really important. And thankfully right now we all have our health and we all have each other. And, um, we have this little space that we're running around <laughs> and riding our trikes around and um, playing together with. And so my kids and my family give me hope in this moment. And um, I also have hope in the various stories of people who are um, reaching out to one another and supporting one another and finding community. And though the social distancing may be a misnomer, that it's more of a physical distancing, what's giving me hope is seeing that humanity and the little um, bright spots of humanity that are peeking through kind of the uncertainty right now. So that's, that's what gives me hope at this time. Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Hosler, and I'm joining you today from sunny Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, located in Treaty 6 territory in the homeland of the Métis. One of the things I do is I work across Canada with higher education institutions, national and provincial associations, and my role with them is often to launch new initiatives, improve decision-making, and help them evaluate and assess both their programs and their projects, as well as individuals' learning. Um, One of the things that's happening right now in March 2020 is an unprecedented global phenomenon. And one of the things it's doing is changing how we work, how we hang out, how we talk to one another, and our teaching and learning. In particular, in higher education, it is resulting in mass changes of how we teach, how we learn, and how we move online. A lot of these changes are still being worked out. We're still figuring out how to keep teaching. We're still figuring out how to assess and we're still figuring out how to be human together. This is creating a lot of uncertainty in our in our context, but it's also creating a lot of community. It's bringing people together because we're all facing the same thing. We're sharing resources across oceans, across countries, across provincial lines in ways I haven't seen in over a decade in higher education. So we get to see each other as people more. I get to go on video chats and I see people's dogs and I see people's kids and we hear about what's going on in our lives. So this is giving me a bit of hope in the midst of all this, this idea of seeing community and seeing each other as human beings first, not just coworkers and colleagues. And I'm hoping that if we can lean in a little bit more into that humanness, we can start creating meaningful ways forward with each other rather than just for or to each other. And that's borrowing from Nanway Fahana's work and thinking about how we do our work together. It can also be that we allow some time for reflection and it sharpens our focus. 
when we no longer have commutes, when we no longer have travel, when we no longer have that thing that we thought was due but is no longer due, what really matters today? What really matters tomorrow? And I think it's giving us some shakeup, but it's also giving us a chance to think through this and hopefully come to a better understanding. And that's kind of giving me hope, giving me some peace. And in the midst of all this, we're finding a new beginning in the middle of spring here in Canada. My name is Shelby Corley. I am an evaluator and I'm co-owner of Three Hive Consulting. We are based in Edmonton and we work across Alberta. Our work is primarily in the health and human services sectors. So really anywhere that um, uh, people are helping other people to um, improve their health, improve their overall well-being, and really just support people as much um, as possible. So in, in these times, our work is looking a little different from what it normally looks like. We work a lot in primary healthcare, and so they are just constantly responding and, and shifting priorities. Evaluation at the moment is not a current priority. They are certainly looking at data and information and making decisions based on that, which is fantastic. But some of the regular kind of ongoing work where we're looking at how is this mental health program going? How are doctors being supported within clinics? Those kinds of things are not the priority right now. So we're seeing our work sort of take a step back and, and pause. We can continue to work on the things that we can in the background, but um, we are, you know, skill set, our company doesn't have a lot to offer to the front lines at the moment. What we do take comfort in is knowing that we will be here for them when things calm down and when there is time to reflect in a more systematic way. So there are reams of data coming in um, and we know that there are going to be um, opportunities and uh, lots of questions that need to be answered around how have we responded? What did we do right? What could we have done differently? What lessons do we want to take forward and put into our plan for the next time an emergent situation occurs and we need to respond to it? We also work with agencies that deliver um, youth programs, so after-school programs, weekend programs, summer programs, and with schools closed and daycares closed in Alberta right now, those agencies have all seen their work totally shift. Um, so staff are questioning, you know, whether or not they are getting laid off, but at the same time, they're just throwing themselves into finding new solutions to serve the clients that they normally serve in one way, finding different ways to deliver services to them. Um, Childcare needs, family supports, food, shelter, all of these needs continue to exist, despite the fact that, you know, our buildings are closed. Um, so again, we're, we're hoping that we have something to offer to these people, uh, these programs, when they have time to, uh, to return to program evaluation. We know that there will be needs there. Um, but right now, we, we sort of sit quietly in the background and offer any kind of support that, that we have available. We're fortunate enough to be uh, largely remotely based anyway, so we can uh, we can continue our work from home where we're safe, uh, far less productive, of course. One of the things that is 
giving me hope is seeing the messages uh, that float around that say, you know what, you can pause on productivity right now. Take care of yourselves, take care of your families, check in with the people around you, and the work can wait. So we, uh, we at least in our work, are fortunate to work with um, clients who, who uh, are very understanding. And, you know, if some deadlines need to shuffle a little bit right now, nobody's getting upset about that. So it's nice to see uh, how people are uh, being a little bit more flexible. Obviously, they have to, but, but just sort of recognizing that there are, there are other priorities right now. And these things that we focus on normally day to day that we think are so important, uh, this is an opportunity to reflect on, you know, maybe those things are uh, less urgent, less, uh, less stress needs to be devoted to them um, than perhaps we think. So that's, that's giving me hope, um, focusing on, on self-care and loving and letting go of some of those urgencies. It's, it's a nice reminder. Um, of course, none of us want to need that reminder, but it is giving some, some hope uh, as well. Um, and the other thing that I am absolutely loving, I joke sometimes that I got into consulting because I really just wanted to wear sweatpants all the time. I have worn sweatpants for at least eight days in a row now, and it is fantastic. Uh, so one of the message I, messages I would like to carry forward is that really good work can still be done in your sweatpants. Good morning. Um, I'm Tom Kelly here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, I've lived here seven years after many years in the Northeast US in New York, DC and Baltimore. I lead evaluation work here at the Hawaii Community Foundation, um, which is a community foundation that is statewide investing in positive change for the state. Community foundations uh, provide grants and support in all areas from art to zoos, I say, health, education, housing. Um, it gives us a range of work, particularly evaluation work to engage in. Um, I've been an evaluation director inside foundations for 20 years now, uh, after being a consultant in Washington, D.C., mostly for the federal government. Um, my role is more of an evaluation manager, coach, and translator, and I spend most of my time helping foundation staff define the social impact results we're trying to achieve, how to measure those results, and really how to assess and learn from the implementation and progress um, often it's about translating between the foundation's needs and the external evaluators tools and skills. Um, it's the part of the, my job that I love actually, which is trying to push people into evaluative thinking, um, and also work on new projects, new things I haven't done before. And that in the past has led me into, um, evaluating complex systems, evaluating policy, now working on evaluating in the arts. Um, where we are now, uh, it I've certainly worked remotely a lot, so the pivot for me hasn't been that dramatic, except even now, um, it's obviously different. The world is different. Um, my master's degree is in public health, specifically in health promotion and disease prevention. So this public health lens is certainly making me, helping me make sense out of what is happening. Um, it's also been a slow realization that uh, this isn't just a temporary thing, but um, 
the sort of fragile interconnectedness of our worlds um, is just a reminder and that this is probably our new reality, not just a temporary thing. Um, so I, I've been actually feeling like this is an enormous opportunity to be able to consider all the things we should start and stop doing anyway. Um, how important is it to get on jet planes all the time and, and fly all over? Um, how important is it to pay attention to um, uh, just the interconnectedness of us? Um, and I think particularly now, especially with the way things are playing out here in the US is we're evaluators and, you know, we understand what evidence means and we know what accumulated knowledge gets created. Um, and so we do know a lot about how diseases spread and how we prevent them. And if we pay attention to research and data and science, they can actually bring us forward. Um, we have to find ways to help people understand and make decisions based on this data. So to me, it's just ramping up the need for us to tap into our best evaluative thinking and communication skills for people. So I don't know if that's hopeful, but it certainly feels like there is a role for us to play, um, especially at a time when people are making lots of decisions very rapidly, unfortunately, sometimes with very little data. So um, it's certainly going to be a test for all of us in this period. And I hope the best for everyone and their families and communities around them. What has been the most encouraging, um, but I'm also someone who worries, is how um, assertive people are being about reaching out and connecting. Um, I'm doing some online uh, sort of connections and happy hours with former colleagues. Um, I have a list of people I know who live alone and trying to remember to keep my eye and my text messages going. Um, and people are really responding in positive ways. And I think that is great, but it also makes me worried that we're going to miss folks. But, um, uh, and even, even in this interconnected world, we've got a lot of people who don't feel connected. Um, so I, yes, joyful, but I'm also a bit of a worrier. Hi, I'm Sarah Farina. I'm currently in Vancouver. This is where I live. I'm from this area and uh, lots of my family is here. Um, they're around other places as well, but uh, most of us are here. I work as an evaluation consultant. I do a lot of planning and evaluation work. Uh, a lot of it's in the health sector. So many of the people that I work with are affected right now. And um, I also do work um, engaging people who are in vulnerable situations. So my heart's going out to a lot of people right now because I know that some of the core work um, that should be focused on them is, is getting a bit diverted right now. But I also know people are caring and, and doing their best. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. Uh, the current situation is affecting me in different ways, I have to say. Um, in a work sense, I think there's been kind of a softening in a sense. So people are opening up to new possibilities. Things like deadlines are becoming less important and uh, really the focus is, is shifting quickly. But also I think people are trying to be as, as understanding um, as they can. And so that has been a really good thing. And I'm trying to do whatever I can to um, be of support through that process. 
Um, I'm also the president of the Canadian Evaluation Society, so we've had to do a lot in the last little while in terms of figuring out how to respond um, to this situation and make decisions about what's best for our members and our community. So we're having to make quite a few pretty significant changes um, related to that. And so um, I think in a personal way, it's been interesting because it's really reminded me to keep up with my relationships and my family and to reach out to people who might be a bit isolated. So I yesterday had a dinner party that, with my family, which is really wonderful. So we were I think in five different locations and uh, my grandmother who actually normally wouldn't have a computer and uh, wouldn't access something like this uh, my mom is with her right now she's um, post-surgery actually which is now being affected because her care is um, is not as available as I would have hoped but I understand that things had to be diverted um, but yeah it was really nice uh, we were able to have uh, dinner and we were all we all made our own food and my grandmother was very concerned about who should do the dishes in this virtual event and uh, so it was kind of fun to, to bring everyone together and just spend time together. And um, there's a group that I actually meditate with regularly. So we actually have started doing it online. And so we're kind of focusing our practice on um, a personal way, and of course, in managing people's anxiety and so on, but also in really connecting to the bigger world and kind of sending well wishes outward. And so that's been, I think, a really helpful process for me personally. And, and it's been nice to be part of that community. Um, what else can I say? I think what I'd like people to know right now is just that we're really operating in a, an, a time of uncertainty. And so I very much appreciate, I think, the kindness and the patience and the compassion that people have been showing. And I hope that we can all um, really kind of come together and, and try to understand each other and and just do our best. And I think, you know, things are changing every day and we don't always have full information. And as evaluators, we love to be evidence-based, but in this case, we have some evidence, but it's not entirely clear what the best way forward is. So I, I think um, I've, I've certainly appreciated people's willingness to come together and try to figure things out, try to have hard conversations and uh, really help each other out. So I think that's the most important thing right now. And I think the biggest thing giving me hope right now and um, giving me in some way a sense of meaning is just the the kind of, of kindness and compassion that I think is possible during this time. And I think we start to really kind of understand our interconnectedness. And so I think just remembering that we are all in this together and we all can help each other. And um, yeah, I think that's that's for me the, the most important thing at that point this time is, is just remembering um, that compassion and that um, connection to one another. Uh, my name is Libby Smith. I work at the University of Wisconsin-Stout. I call myself an educator, an evaluator, and also a healer. Um, I, I do a bunch of different work at, at the university that's all being affected by uh, what's happening in the world right now. My students will be trying to learn to do things online here for the next several months. I'm trying to learn to do more online. I feel really grateful that I already do a lot of that. Um, I, I have clients that are having to pause uh, you know, their programs and trying to figure out what, what that means for our evaluation. So it's just a lot of adaptation right now. But again, I feel like I've been, I've been working in these spaces of complexity and um, you know, understanding kind of uh, how to do emergent strategy kind of work. Um, and all those lessons are coming in really, really handy right now. 
Uh, I just feel uh, really grateful for also the community that's out there. Carolyn, the work you're doing, other people that I've seen on Twitter, um, that I feel like there's a lot of support for this kind of work. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing here is that the lessons are coming at me really fast. And while all of this feels really like uncertain for me, like there's questions for like of my safety and like what's going to happen next that just recognizing that there's a lot of people in the world who already live this way and really holding space for that and not, you know, getting too caught up in my own anxiety. That's a challenge. Uh, but kind of what's kind of bringing me hope and, and, and peace around that is that a lot of the work that I was was doing leading up to all of this happening in the world, um, my, my primary focus, in fact, was kind of putting the finishing touches on a workshop that I was going to do at the Arizona Evaluation Network Conference that unfortunately was canceled. Uh, but it was a workshop called Strengthening Your Core, Wholehearted Interpersonal Practices. And I've really been thinking a lot about interpersonal skills for evaluators and what that means and you know, I would kind of landed on this uh, set of practices or set of skills that kind of put us in a place where uh, we need to really focus on like taking care of our nervous systems in order to show up to do our work. And, you know, doing that through like grounding practices, through releasing practices. We we're talking about, you know, Carolyn, you and I have talked about doing a little bit of improv and, you know, all the lessons in improv that are going to help us through this time are, are so critical. So I feel really grateful that that was already kind of the focus of my work and, you know, now needing to shift to bring those messages of hope and in different ways of doing and being to other people. Um, you know, what I'm doing right now for myself is a lot of breath work, a lot of breathing, a lot of trying to connect with nature where I can. I'm really grateful that I live in a place where I can still get outside and, and kind of connect with nature. Um, so I, you know, I think that's the one thing that I would really encourage everyone to do that even if you're feeling kind of uh, mentally calm about the situation, that there's sort of a collective kind of, um, I don't want to say panic, that's not quite the right word, but kind of something happening in the collective where we're all feeling kind of that fight or flight response in our nervous systems. And, you know, even if you feel mentally calm, make sure you're doing things to take care of your nervous system. And that's going to be so important to our evaluation work, too, and helping us kind of maintain perspective and maintain um, kind of a centeredness as we try to carry on with our work. So that's where I'm at in the world today. Uh, I am just, again, so grateful for this community of evaluators and other people who, who listen to your work and um, just... Uh, grateful to be a part of it. So it's kind of weird being on this side of the microphone in respect because uh, I'm calling in or I'm, I'm chatting here just as, uh, as another uh, check-in for this episode. Um, uh, for those who don't know me, it'd be kind of weird since you listen to the podcast, but my name is Brian Hostler. I'm currently in uh, my home office in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, which is on Treaty 6 territory and nutritional homeland the Métis. Uh, I work as an independent consultant uh, with primarily with nonprofit organizations, uh, some government uh, work in there as well, some uh, social enterprise kind of work. Um, yeah, primarily evaluation, obviously, since I'm the co-host of the evaluation podcast, but also work around um, strategic planning, um, which is kind of, in my opinion, kind of the, the other side of the coin for from evaluation. 
how is the current situation affecting me? Uh, directly in terms of my day-to-day -day work, not a heck of a lot because I already kind of work uh, as an individual um, consultant. Uh, a lot of my work, especially with um, organizations uh, throughout Saskatchewan, is already done remotely through through calls and, and Skype and whatnot. Um, some of the in-person meetings obviously been canceled, but more generally, I think it's it's kind of throwing a little bit of a weird wrench into. It, it's hard to kind of see evaluation, or it's hard to think about what's happening with the in the world and how those evaluations fit into it right now. If I was had a call with a, a client um, based on some work I did with them over the past couple of months, and I was presenting the results. So I was supposed to be an in-person meeting, but turned into a, an online meeting. And this is kind of weird to go into this and prepare for it and say, how much do these results still matter in today's context? And this is actually with a, a, um, a multi-stakeholder uh, health-related collaborative. So it's kind of interesting to say, you know, realize this stuff is still important, but also we have to look at it through new eyes today. Um, and that's maybe um, something I'm still kind of struggling with and trying to figure out is that how do we bring our evaluation focus? How do we use it in, in these times? And how much can we kind of still bring forward from how we did things kind of before uh, COVID, before the self-isolation? And what are things we have to leave behind and what are new skills we have to pick up? So I guess that's kind of where my headspace is at right now is just trying to, um, on one hand, keep keep moving forward, keep going a little bit. Um, I obviously still have some some projects that I'm working on, some things that are still gonna be relevant, uh, but then also trying to figure out what is what do, what do things look like in this in this new world. And then um, around what's kind of giving me the hope or meeting is that um, there's some obvious answers there around uh, sense of community. I've been doing a lot of reaching out to uh, friends who I haven't been in touch with. Um, we've been trying different ways of staying connected. Uh, online game playing, whether it's uh, uh, through different online platforms, or even just literally last night with our friends in Toronto uh, and and one of their daughters, we set up the Catan Settlers of Catan board on our table, and they set it up on their table, and uh, we just kind of play the game over over uh, Skype basically. And whenever someone put a road down on their board, we make sure to put the road down on the other person's board. So things like that, uh, staying connected to the podcast, but. Okay, one thing that's just giving me hope is that the world is is going to be changing. And while that's really frightening in a lot of ways, it's also an opportunity to say or to realize or uh, yeah, to realize that, you know, there were great things about the world as it was, but there's a lot of things that weren't great. A lot of people who were being hurt by the status quo. And this is maybe a way to examine how we did how we did things, how what do we assume is good in life? What do we assume is the proper way to do things? And say, what are ways we can do things better? Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Hannum, and I live and work in Greensboro, North Carolina in the United States. I am an evaluation consultant that works primarily with foundations and nonprofits. Um, so the current situation, I think we're, that we're all finding ourselves in, but entering into it in different spaces is... Um, obviously been on my mind. So I'm really excited to have this moment um, in this space with others, even though it's a virtual space. I primarily work from home and that hasn't changed. Uh, what has changed is my daughter and my spouse are home now. Um, and that is taking some work and some patience to get used to. Um, 
most of my neighbors are taking the distancing that we need to do to heart. Um, and we are a close, kind of a close neighborhood. So we regularly do things together and we have a group text that's been going on since before um, the coronavirus hit this area, um, which is helpful. And I'm just so thankful to have that connection already in place. I know people are making new connections, which is awesome. And I'm thankful for those too. Um, but we've been checking in on each other and, you know, sharing resources as needed. Haven't had to do much of that yet. Um, a few nights ago, the kids, since they can't play with each other right now, um, did a dance off via text. And it was one of the most amazingly funny, hilarious things to see just the simple act of uh, doing something joyous and together, even though it was in a new sort of way, was just, um, it was just gave me a lot of hope in a time that is both hopeful and hopeless, depending on, you know, my mood. Um, our schools are all closed like they are, I think, almost everywhere across the country. Um, and so we're struggling to get technology in place. But more than that, um, schools have been really focused on getting food programs in place for families who, who are dependent on that uh, to eat, uh, even though it's fairly modest. Um, and our parks and rec programs have stepped up to do enrichment videos on the day. And most of our hospitals have um, stopped doing electric elective procedures so that the, the beds and the equipment are available. So it's a sort of more of a time of readying before things get really bad, which we expect them to do. Um, I think... You know, I think what this magnifies for me is it's sort of a best of times, worst of times moment. It's just really magnified. It's magnifying sort of the injustice and the inequity that's already in place. And I'm really hopeful that it's sort of a wake up call to people who have not necessarily noticed that or haven't experienced that to see that more clearly and to feel that more deeply and that hopefully this time will bring those who are able and willing um, to the table to do the work that's needed to sort of get things into a better space collectively. And obviously it's also a time for people to make really horrible choices. And we see that on the news with the um, increase in xenophobia and sort of the misinformation and the price gouging and the, uh, all those things. Um, but it's also a time of great gratitude and people really stepping into their power and into the moment to make things better. And it's, it's humbling to see just how much people are able to do when they recognize the need and they recognize their place in it. And it's, it's been um, a time for me to really reflect on my values and my practice. I think others are doing the same and come out of this in a much better place. And those, those are my thoughts for now. That's where I am. And I just appreciate having the community in fellow consultants, fellow evaluators, just fellow human beings. So love and safety and health to all of you. Hi, um, my name is Naomi Clements. I'm currently snuggled up in bed um, and I'm catching up on some PhD work. I'm from England on the south coast near a place called Portsmouth. And I'm currently a research and evaluation officer for a national project which works with young people from areas where progression to higher education, so university, um, is low. 
the project I'm working on is called UniConnect and it's directly funded by our higher education regulator in England um, called the Office for Students. And we're on a kind of three year funding cycle and we're about to enter our final year before a funding review. So obviously this has had um, the current situation has had a big impact upon our impact evaluation of the project, both at a kind of local level and on a national scale. So the young people that we work with are those who are really likely to be affected by um, by COVID-19 because they are from areas where they are from kind of lower socioeconomic groups. So families who are living kind of hand to mouth, really, and their, their parents, their carers are likely to be those who have will be experiencing job losses, um, are students who are at school at the moment are about to not be at school for about three months in the first instance. Those who are about to sit exams, all exams in England have been cancelled. So there's a huge amount of uncertainty. And obviously those young people, isolation is a huge, huge thing for those young people as well. So my kind of thing at the moment is dealing with how we react to that. It's a huge trauma for our young people, not just for us as individuals um, and the adults that I'm working with across the project, but for the young people that we're working with. It's a huge, huge thing to be dealing with. And I'm keen that we readjust our practice and don't just try to carry on as normal because it's not normal. Um, but most importantly, from a kind of ethical point of view, it's just not right either. So those are my things I'm kind of dealing with at the moment. Um, on a personal level, I'm actually in a high risk category. So I'm a type one diabetic. So that means that um, I'm having to readjust my whole daily um, daily life of not being able to go out for a lovely walk when it's really nice sunny weather because everyone else is going out for a lovely walk. I'm having to um, to find time when things are quiet. I can't go into shops because shops in England are still open at the moment. So I'm really trying to find unique ways in which I can still um, engage in in being social from a distance um, but really there's some really nice things that are happening within my local community and within my kind of local evaluation practice that is really positive so there's a lot of work at the moment that's going on um, where I live there's quite a lot of elderly people so um, as many people as possible are volunteering to drop food parcels round to help collect prescriptions from our local pharmacy so that's really really nice to see a lot of our local shops as well are opening slightly earlier so people like me who are in high risk categories or elderly people can go in and know that the shop's not going to be crazy busy and we are able to um, get on and buy the stuff that we need to to function as human beings um, and also from a, a practice point of view in terms of evaluation and specifically the project that I'm working on, 
there's a really, really good conversation starting at the moment in terms of how we can amend our practice and also our, our outreach work, our workshops and the communication around what we do to really support the young people that we work with in a completely different way. So we're working towards holding um, webinars into having conversation spaces. Um, there's actually a young group of people who are starting their own podcast, which is amazing. So I'm hopefully going to be part of that. So for me at the moment, although it's although it's a completely different reality that we're we're living in at the moment, there are elements of uh, real um, innovation and and joy that are kind of poking out through through the cracks. So yeah, that's from me. My name is Carolyn Kamen, and I'm currently in my home, um, which is in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh, and where I'm from, I was born in London, Ontario. Um, and those that's the names of the cities in which I live and were, was born. But in London, um, my, to the best of my knowledge, it's the territory of the Chippewa of the Thames First Nation and the Oneida First Nation of the Thames and the Muncie, Delaware First Nation. And here in Vancouver, um, the land itself is the territory, um, unceded, uh, ancestral, traditional territory of the Squamish, uh, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. And where my own roots go back to um, on my mother's side are uh, mostly England and Scotland, and on my father's side, uh, the Netherlands. And the work that I do... I'm an evaluation consultant, and I've been building a practice for the last few years, and in particularly, um, I tend to work with folks who are trying to do things they've never done. Sometimes they're things that no one has ever done, sometimes it's things they've never done in their own setting or organization, and I am part of figuring out what that looks like and how that's going, and this current uh, situation has some markers to it that are familiar to me in terms of just working in lots of uncertainty, working in ways that you haven't worked before, having to sort of figure out and adapt and make things up as you go along um, and trying to bring some some intention and some reflective learning to that. Um, so that part's familiar. What What's unfamiliar is the scope and scale of it all. Um, but then again, on top of that, what also feels familiar is that just the way that this situation, although it's a global pandemic and it's definitely affecting all of us, it's also highlighting in, in how it affects people, it's highlighting all of these inequities and injustices um, and, and who is being affected more and in what ways. Um, I live a few blocks away from a neighborhood in Vancouver called the downtown east side that is incredibly vulnerable right now. And I don't know what's going to happen to the community in that neighborhood, but I'm really concerned. Um, we are hearing that um, remote communities, a lot of indigenous communities are um, not getting enough resources, not getting enough support, dealing with chronic lack of infrastructure, uh, chronic lack of access to water to wash hands. Um, 
and and stay clean and stay safe. Um, we I, I live in a country that was colonized using infectious disease to kill people. And it's still happening. It's about to happen again. And how that for me connects to my work is that I think evaluation, um, evaluation that's done with a commitment to justice, evaluation that's done from a place of love and meaningful accountability to each other can be part of changing this, of, of, of seeing that we, things don't have to be this way. We've changed so much already in such a short period of time. All these things that we've said, well, that's just the way things are. That's the way things are going to be. It's not. And we've changed so much already. How much more can we change? And can we do it um, in service of some different values and goals? Um, And what I'm taking heart from is the possibility and the fact that we're all in it together and that there's a lot of us. Um, enough of us, I think, who really care about seeing things through um, that we don't end up back where we started. Um, And I'm looking forward to being part of that. I am Trilby Smith, and I am currently in my home office in Vancouver, British Columbia, the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. And I uh, work at Vancouver Foundation, which is a community foundation. Um, I'm the Director of Learning and Evaluation, and my day-to-day job encompasses many things, um, primarily supporting our grant-making programs to understand the kind of impact that they're having and uh, also to support my colleagues doing learning and reflection so that we're better able to serve our community. Um, And then a whole range of other learning and evaluation projects that endeavor to um, increase the way that we understand our um, impact and contribution as an organization. Um, So a pretty relationship-based position within the foundation. I have the pleasure of working um, across the organization with a lot of my colleagues. And so this week has been interesting as I like seek ways to connect with people um, virtually and remotely, um, even though our work on the one hand is is very easy to do remotely. It's actually been difficult because we don't have that um, face-to-face connection um, right now. And so um, I've actually spent a lot of the past week um, doing exactly that, just trying to connect with people, um, check in with them, see how they were doing, see what they needed. Um, And one of the things that I have found really interesting this week is that there was not um, there was not an an automatic and sort of easy way to understand what is the contribution that learning and evaluation can make to our work in this moment. Um, and so I found myself kind of 
initially just thinking about how I could support my colleagues as people um, and kind of reaching out to see what they needed and, and checking in to make sure they were okay. But as the sort of interminably long week progressed, I've, I thought about um, the ways in which actually the function of learning and evaluation could support the work in this time and have been reaching out to a lot of my colleagues across uh, North America who sit in similar positions to me inside philanthropic organizations and found that they actually all were having a pretty similar experience and that they felt initially a little bit um, sidelined or like out of it like all the grant making teams immediately jumped into granting and all the operation teams jumped into keeping operations going but there wasn't an obvious jump for the learning and evaluation teams and so We've been connecting quite a bit and kind of trying to think about the different ways in which uh, we can support our organizations in this moment. Um, and I think people are coming up with some pretty interesting ways of kind of doing um, some of that real-time support to their colleagues around helping folks to make sense of, of what's happening and thinking about how the data that we have right now like today can actually be used to inform what we do in the next hour or tomorrow um so i'll be interested to see in the next week kind of how that continues to evolve and and if it, if there becomes kind of a more um apparent or clear role for those of us that are learning and evaluation staff at philanthropic organizations um can play um so that's kind of i mean i think it's been it goes without saying that it's been kind of a, a week full of anxiety and and feeling unsettled but i think in terms of how the current situation is affecting my work i think that that's kind of been the main effect has just been a sort of real real need to think deeply about what it is that we can offer in this moment and how we can best serve our organizations, which are in turn trying to serve community um, and being in a very privileged um, position with a huge amount of resources and how thinking about how we can get that money out the door in the way that best um, meets the quickly changing and emerging needs of the community. In terms of something that's giving me hope. I think I would say for sure my kids. Um, I think it's beautiful to watch how resilient um, kids are in these moments and often my kids are older, they're teenagers. I think younger kids are probably experiencing this moment differently but um, it's really beautiful to see kind of how they make sense of of what's happening and the things that they find to do and the ways that they find to connect with us and with each other. So that definitely um, has given me hope. And I think also just connection with other people, like the ways that people are finding to, to reach out and connect have been really beautiful and hopeful. So um, I look, I look, I'm looking forward to more continued connection in the weeks to come. Hello, my name is Megan Kennedy Shawan. 
I am from Santa Cruz, California in the United States, and right now I am in Paris, France, and I am in day number nine of being confined in our home here in Paris. And I work at the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and I am the head of the evaluation unit in the Development Cooperation Directorate. So in my professional work, I manage an international network of the independent and central evaluation units of the members of the Development Assistance Committee, who are bilateral um, development cooperation providers, and also multilateral evaluation units. And in that capacity, we do quite a bit of work on trying to support evidence-informed policymaking in international development cooperation and doing synthesis of evaluation works and supporting learning and feedback and communication of evaluation findings through various means. And we also support coordination and collaboration of evaluation efforts to try to improve coherence and the quality of evaluations. And we support collaboration between donors and also with partners in developing countries and the strengthening of evaluation capacities across the international community. Um, to support evaluation in domestic as well as international policy spheres. Um, the current situation is affecting me quite strongly. So as I said, we are um, under confinement here in Paris. Uh, we have to have a written attestation, it's called a permission letter, essentially, to go outside. And there are four main reasons we are allowed to go outside. So we have to certify on our honor that we are leaving our home for one of those for reasons, you know, seeking medical care or exercising, those type of things. So um, I'm the primary household leader at this time. My partner is stuck in Algeria. And also my mom, who's 70 years old, is stuck here with us. And I have two young children, a six-year-old, who you may hear playing in the background at some point, and an 18-month-old baby. So um, the daycares and the schools are all closed here in France. And so we are, me, myself, and many of my colleagues are faced with a situation of quote-unquote teleworking, so trying to work from home and trying to be caregivers at the same time. And I think um, I would just like to shine a light on all the other parents out there who are struggling with that and also on all the caregivers who I think maybe are, are getting a little bit more respect that they very much deserve at this time because something we've talked about in our team is that, you know, taking care of a young child is, is a full-time job and it it's a, should be a well-compensated paid full-time job. And so we can't really combine that with our professional uh, responsibilities and aspirations. And I think also the importance, especially for mental health and for our own resilience in this longer term crisis, because we know this is not going to um, end very quickly. It's going to be a long-term thing that we have to face. So I think the importance of dealing with our own um, with our own family situations and providing support and compassion for ourselves and for others as well is really important. So um, something that is giving me hope and peace at this time is that I actually quite like spending time at home with my kids. So that's been really nice. And I think Hopefully, after some of the initial stress gets past us, we'll all look back on this. It is a really good opportunity to connect to people. I've been connecting on WhatsApp and Zoom with colleagues and with friends around the world in a way that I don't normally, so that's great. Um, and I'm looking forward to organizing some conversations with others in the international evaluation community about how this is affecting our work and um, 
also potentially exploring options for a real-time joint evaluation of the COVID-19 response. Um, and we'd be very interested to helping support um, a higher quality response and use of some of the evidence from past crises. And now I hear the baby waking up, so I'm going to sign off. And thank you so much. I send uh, love and justice and joy to everyone out there. Thank you. I'm Chris Corrigan. I live on Nukalelequim, which is the Squamish name for Bowen Island. It's in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, originally grew up in Toronto, Ontario, and lived in the UK and Eastern Ontario for a lot of my life before moving to the West Coast in 1994. And I'm a facilitator. I specialize in participatory processes large group facilitation and work in complexity, mostly with nonprofits, indigenous communities and for benefit types of organizations. The current situation is affecting me by um, completely eliminating all of my face-to-face -face work, which is really my bread and butter. Although what I'm beginning to realize is that I spend a lot of my time and a lot of my intellectual effort on good design and connecting and coaching with my clients. So it's not just about face-to-face -face stuff. And because I'm pretty experienced at doing stuff online, the actual facilitation work has moved online in the last week or so. And already we're repurposing some of the meetings that we were going to be doing online and um, so that we can do them online now. Um, yeah, so basically I'm, my clients that I've had for the rest of the year have all disappeared and new ones have come in with different asks. So I'm just discerning and listening and paying attention to what wants to happen and how I can be useful. What's giving me hope, peace or meaning in this time? Um, I think for the moment, I'm in the moment. And everything changes so quickly that it's really not possible to do anything but be in charge of where you're at right now. And so that gives a tremendous amount of scope and, and possibility for choosing to act hopefully or not. And for me, I, I, I think I'm acting optimistically, but without hope, if you know what I mean. Um, it's not that I'm hopeless. It's just that I don't think thinking beyond tomorrow is really helpful at the moment because everything changes so quickly in terms of, you know, what's going to happen, how are we going to get out of this, what's this all going to mean. So meaning right now is in my relationships that I have with folks, my friends, the people that I'm keeping in constant touch with as we just make sense of what we're doing. I think meaning is derived a lot from sense making together. As we face the unknown, we need to work together and we need to make sense of where we are together. And when we can do that, it strengthens our collective sense of what's possible in the moment and helps us to be able to act in the moment. So all the stuff I know from being a complexity worker feels like it was made for this time. And the ability to reach out, to be curious, to inquire, and then decisively to make a choice and to act and see where that gets you. I tweeted the other day that I think for everybody who always wondered what developmental evaluation is, that it's, it's good news. We're all doing it right now. This is exactly what it is. And having a sense that this is actually a practice and that there's actually some rigor you can bring to this time, I think has been comforting 
to the people that I've been working with. And it certainly made me feel resourceful and resilient as I've had to adapt and change to the context that is changing so quickly around me. My name is Khalid Bitar. I am from Palestine. I am currently in Germany, but I live and work between Germany and Palestine. I'm an evaluator, but also I'm a researcher and in a way I also volunteer a lot for different evaluation networks and groups, most importantly Evaluth, but also others. Actually, I've been on self-quarantine uh, for about 10, 10 days now after I came back from the Middle East from Valmina Conference. Everything is fine. Uh, but I think psychologically it's also affecting me a lot, just reading the news, watching uh, the numbers of uh, every day from different countries, knowing that it's not numbers, knowing that it's lives. And just, uh, I, I feel it's uh, in general, I know it's a down note, but it's very sad what is happening. It shows how fragile human beings are, uh, but at the same time looking for what we can do about it. I want to say that we should not panic. We should be perhaps scared if we feel so. Sometimes people say, don't be scared. I think it's normal to be scared, but I don't think panicking is a good strategy. Uh, at the same time, if we follow instructions from health authorities and governments about how to protect ourselves and other people, and not to harm them by separating, socially distancing ourselves. It's very important. So I think keep safe, healthy, but also wise. Something that brings me uh, peace or hope or meaning is that although that uh, we've seen this panic buying, shopping, and also panicking around in general, uh, that also in a way that people are recognizing that we are all in this together where some people are making argument that nationalism is the solution because we can separate they know deep inside them really and many or at least many of them that it's not about globalization it's actually the more that we unite and cooperate internationally <clears throat> the more we we maybe have any hope to defeat this microscopic <laughs> uh, black swan that came and changed a lot of lives. And uh, it also, in a way, that works on something really strange, that it comes to separate us, in a way, although we need each other the most. But we're finding so many creative, innovative ways to be connected. So. It's very important to, to keep thinking about this for all of us. And I keep thinking about as we are all socially distancing ourselves, but not uh, separating or isolating, because we are really connecting every day. So distancing is not necessarily isolating. Thank you. Kola Mousy, friends. Hello, this is Nikki Bowman, Dr. Nicole Bowman from Bowman Performance Consulting. Um, I am Mohican and Lenape, so Aho and Kolomalsi relatives uh, in Lenape land. 
in uh, on Turtle Island up in Canada and down in the U.S. Um, I currently reside in the state of Wisconsin um, near the Great Lakes, Shawano, Wisconsin. And the work I do is I am the president and founder of a small Native American um, consulting business. We do mostly evaluation um, called Bowman Performance Consulting or BPC. I also have, uh, I work half time for the University of Wisconsin-Madison as a scientist and evaluator in the Wisconsin Center for Ed Research, which is the biggest educational research center in the country. Um, and the work I do is culturally responsive and indigenous um, evaluation policy and research, technical assistance and training. So that would be at a project or department or program level all the way up to the systems level where nation to nation and government work is being done. Oh, so here we sit with the uh, coronavirus around us. And um, I think, first of all, I want to think about the impacts. I always talk about origin stories. And so I look back to my ancestors and my traditional uh, people to find out have we, what have we survived. We have survived a lot, uh, both pre-contact and especially post-contact. So this is territory we've been in before. We know how to uh, live uh, within the natural, how to and to forage and hunt and fish in ways that are respectful to other living uh, creatures or plants um, within our own personal or broader ecosystem. And so some of the impacts have been just origin stories, grounding myself, looking back, living in the present, and learning from both the challenges and the survivance of our people. Um, so those are some of the, you know, things that, you know, you know, the ways that the virus are impacting me from a contemporary business standpoint as an owner with vendors and employees that, um, you know, our women run their own small businesses, our, our people of color, uh, we live in rural America and or on reservations, so we don't have we don't have the um, technology infrastructure um, that most urban or near city uh, communities have. So working from home isn't possible if you don't have a cell tower or if you don't have access to high speed internet or if you don't have laptops. Um, so I think about that from a, an infrastructure technology and access to that, you know, it's a, a position of privilege if you have the money to have those things. And another way we're impacted is as a business owner, there are basically three areas that I'm thinking about. One is obviously public health, right? Um, and the safety of my employees, myself, my families, their families, in our community. The second part is workforce development. How do I keep people on and at the office living within the current rules which are changing every day as best as I can? Um, uh, I also am thinking about can they take work home? Do they have access to, if they don't have access to internet, it, it makes it very hard. Fortunately, BPC works remotely a lot of the time. We visit clients anywhere from one to four times a year, but so that's helpful. <clears throat> um, same thing with UW. We can do a lot of our work remotely. Um, 
I also think about uh, the third pot, you know, with the first being public health, the second being workforce development, the third pot is economic development. What is essential for staff and projects? Well, it's billable hours, you know. It is making sure that I can continue to pay staff. We don't have a large staff. Um, which also kind of bleeds into what are the state or federal guidelines, the requirements, or surplus and support packages that we get. When you're a business under 50, a lot of that doesn't apply to you, and we don't have big divisions that are dealing with COVID-19. We have to do that ourselves as business owners. So the six hours extra a day that I have to tack on at the beginning of my day after my sunrise ceremonies or at night after my sunset ceremonies. So my days, you know, now start at 4.30 or 5 uh, a.m. in the morning to try to stay caught up on the news and the changes from a public safety, workforce, and economic development standpoint. You go to work, you have to deal with it, right? New policies, procedures, update staff, and still try to have a mind to work on billable hours. And then you come home at night and kind of repeat what you did in the morning. And so it's been going that way for a while. And so, so those are the ways that it's impacting us, you know, um, professionally, personally, um, and culturally, I guess, is what I started with. And I think that, you know, something, thinking about hope and peace and meaning and what I'm learning from this, and I know that in the, one of the things is we're coming together that makes me hopeful out of challenge and darkness, the Western door where our faith and our skills and our humanity is put to the test, we can learn. And, um, you know, you learn about how to come together. You learn about how having um, slow down and separate time is also necessary. And you also learn about the bad medicine that's out there, how you have to sort through what's versus our people who may be taking advantage of you in this time of, a crisis with this pandemic versus who are helpers and healers. Um, I'm trying to lead with by planning and not panic. Um, you know, leading with faith and not fear is something that's important to me. And just remembering that since I've been a little girl, I've always been very blunt and truthful and transparent. And I'm laughing, you know, because sometimes that's not. Uh, even today, back then and today, people do not, you know, particularly care for that. Uh, some people don't about me, but I know that in these times of crisis, I know it's something that people have told me they value very much. And so I can stand on almost 49 years of I've always been a hard worker and truthful, uh, transparent and, and faithful um, person that lives with spirituality and conviction and moral and ethics. Your walk and your talk always should matter, and how you treat people matters. And so those are the things that I remind myself when I get too fast or there's so much coming in that it's important to slow down, have faith, and remember how far you've come and how far your relatives and ancestors have come. And so um, out of darkness, I also see, and this is sort of something that's super important, Native Americans and tribal nations were you know, pandemics were planted on us. We were, you know, in North America and all over the world, we were, you know, they tried to wipe us out with vaccines they tested on us that weren't approved, with smallpox, 
you know, and, and lots of different ways that, um, you know, aren't uh, real relevant or prevalent, uh, I should say prevalent in our, in our materials that we read today. And so right now, the sins of the past continue. Um, for the first time in my 40, almost nine years, I see the National Indian Health Board, the National Indian Education Association, the National, um, the NICWA, National Institute on Child Welfare Association, Native American Rights Fund, and um, um, National Congress of American Indians had an all-call press conference together yesterday. NBC News and some of the different news organizations were on there as well. But this has much to do with evaluation because, because we were forcibly removed, because treaty rights aren't honored, because of that trust that we had during the treaty time, the early colonial time, and now contemporary um, constitutional time, we aren't even at the table for the COVID-19. All the states are at the table. There's international governments at the table. But the, you know, there's 1,207 between Canada and North America, First Nations or tribal nations governments, equal, sovereign, nation-to-nation -nation status, who are not at the table. Why won't they let us at the table? We keep asking. Um, <clears throat> we, have, we have constitutional and treaty rights that we should be there. It's also an evaluation issue. So it's important for people to know this, that because they have underfunded for decades uh, the money that we have needed for removing us and, and taking over you know, the things that helped us be healthy, the land. If the land is sick, the people are sick. That's a, that's a teaching, a proverb, uh, a vision of our traditional people. And so if it just is compounding. Um, so all these years of not investing back into our infrastructure, into our health information technology systems, we can't even give a full picture to Congress collectively across our tribal nations. And that's not something that we put upon us. That's a direct result of colonization back then to now, hundreds of years compounded. And so we had elders and we had leaders on the phone yesterday crying because our elders could be wiped out and our populations could be wiped out on our current reservations or in our nearby urban Indian centers. So if you have socioeconomic status, you might be okay because you can go to non-Indian health service facilities. You may live in a house that is off the reservation. You may not have to have a lot of people in your house. You may have, you know, access to working capital so that if you have to stay at home, you can do that. But we can't because of colonization. We are, we are on all of these, these social systems or we are given lack of resources um, that were promised to us and we don't have access. We can't sit at the table to talk about this. And these are things that congressionally we've been, you know, as tribal nations, we've been asking Congress for decades. And if you go to any of those websites, especially like, uh, you know, National Congress of American Indians is kind of the umbrella organization that tribes are coming together under to push this from a policy governance and legal standpoint, you'll see. Um, and so those are challenges that people need to know about. But out of that, for the first time, we're coming together. Um, to deal with this national pandemic. And it, um, part of it makes me sad because it makes me think about how smallpox wiped us out. You know, and people say it happened so long ago and it's not. 
this is a real issue in our voices. We need to ask who's there and who's not there. The most vulnerable should be taken care of, you know. And I think from that, um, something that gives me hope is that we are figuring out how to come together as one voice. We are reaching out to our non-Native allies and partners and have had lots of support and advocacy from them. And it could be personal support in terms of calls and check in how you're doing, even like this podcast, a, a, a way to get the, the message out to people offering, um, you know, food or other resources to families that need it. Um, we're getting help from small business uh, allies and partners and, and, and lending partners, uh, if that ever needs to be the case in the foreseeable future, depending how long we're shut down. And I think one of the things that really kind of comes back full circle to where I started this um, you know, check-in um, recording with is we're going back to our old ways. There are virtual, uh, all virtual singing going on because everyone's locked down. Uh, today at 2 p.m. Central Time, there's going to be jingle dress dancers all over Turtle Island or around the world. Our jingle dress dancers are the healers. So even if they have to be out on their porch quarantined, you know, or whatever they are, they're dressing in regalia like we would for our ceremonies and our powwows. And we're recording and sharing together all of the the healing and the medicine and the prayers, just getting back to grassroots, the humanity of the human beings on this earth. And we are hearing elders use virtual places where they haven't had before, telling our stories, our medicine stories, our stories of survivance and our teachings because out of, out of pandemics, the earth is trying to teach us something. The universe is trying to teach us something that we need to heal the earth, that we need to heal ourselves, that we need to heal each other, that we need to not be using up all the natural resources and be harming the land and, not, and being full of um, colonization and corporate greed. The universe has a way and Mother Nature and Mother Earth have a way to tell us we're not doing something right. And that's what our elders are teaching us now. So we're, I'm learning about a lot of the stories and I have, I have faith and hope because I know I'm trying to live according to those teachings. And I have tried to do that every day for the last 40 some years. And so hopefully we find some peace and some hope in this slowdown, sleeping longer, meditating, checking in with family and friends. I've even started writing letters old school, um, love letters to people that I care about. And so I think those are the things that um, for sure give me hope, peace, and meaning, and just remembering to live one day at a time, one day at a time. The old Al-Anon or AA, you know, and sometimes it might be one hour, but, you know, planning and praying all can go together. Planning, prayer, and policy. <laughs> so hopefully these words um, are meaningful to you and, and you know, Go on your social media. You can find things that are beautiful and that will help sustain you. Virtual, uh, you know, yoga sessions, meditation sessions. They have community meditation on some of these apps so you know you're meditating with everyone and just try to put good out into the universe. Put intention out there. I truly believe in that. Not just praying, but living intentionally. So with that, I will say Anishik relatives and thank you for this opportunity.
And now, listeners, I invite you to share your own check-in, responding to the questions. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, where you're from, and what kind of work you do, how the current situation is affecting you and what you'd like people to know, and something that's bringing you hope, peace, or meaning in this time. Wherever you are, whenever you are, we hope that you're well, that you are safe and brave, that you're offering your gifts, and that you're receiving the gifts of others. We don't know if we'll be recording another episode quite like this one, but we do invite you to find ways to share your check-in. Write it down, record it, draw it, whatever way speaks to your heart, reach out and connect. We are in this together. 
I'd like to close out with a poem, one that has been really close to my heart just these last few months. Um, and now, in this current time, more than ever, really speaks to me. Uh, the poem is called We Look With Uncertainty by Anne Hillman. And a special shout out to my friend Amanda Fenton for being the one to share this with me. We look with uncertainty. We look with uncertainty beyond the old choices for clear-cut answers to a softer, more permeable aliveness, which is every moment at the brink of death. For something new is being born in us, if we but let it. We stand at a new doorway, awaiting that which comes, daring to be human creatures, vulnerable to the beauty of existence, learning to love. Thank you, listeners. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going to our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro, as well as to Tim at TabletopAudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro. Yeah, answering this, I am really looking forward to, uh, to hear other people, and it would be really beautiful because you'll have people from different countries and different... Uh, experience and everything all together, it's, that will be really nice.